Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of scripture and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, August the 27th, 2023, the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let us now go to our gospel of the day. Our reading is taken from the gospel according to St. Matthew. I'm sitting in my car. I wasn't able to uh, do this from the studio today, so I am recording this on my phone. And here we go. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So we have this reading here today that when I was doing my theological studies and we had to study various types of authors, not all of them were Catholic, some were Protestant and some were Protestant, uh, very, I don't even know the word, uh, deconstructionist maybe. Uh, a lot of the good Protestants that I know are very literal in their reading of Scripture. Of course, we have different interpretations, and Catholics really are very literal in their reading of Scripture. We're supposed to be. In fact, we studied some of the original languages so that we could understand exactly what the words meant in various passages. However, there were some that would like to call us, uh, I don't even know, what, what did they call us? Um, literalists, uh, fundamentalists, I don't know. They had different names for us because we took the Bible literally. Uh, there's this, been this whole movement in the past century or two to um, undermine the words and say, well, this didn't happen, that didn't happen. Deconstructionist, I guess, is a good word. It's a misuse of the historical critical method. And really, when we're studying the historical critical method, there are good uses for it, but it puts a really bad taste in one's mouth. I even, a little shiver goes down my spine when I hear historical critical, even though in and of itself, it's not a bad way to study the Bible, to try to look at the history and the context and say, okay, what does this mean in this context? But these people warped it. And they had an agenda. Well, I mean, there were a lot of agendas there. They didn't believe that the miracles happened in the Gospels. They didn't believe that the prophets actually prophesied. They said they wrote those writings after the, uh, the prophecies had been fulfilled. And I'm thinking, well, then what's the point of them? I mean, other than just 
for literary purposes, but that's not why the Bible was written. If I want literature, I go read other books, fiction, nonfiction, whatever. Um, but this is about faith and they would say, oh yes, it's just about faith, meaning faith in some airy kind of abstract sense, but no, it's faith in something real. It's faith in the fact that God wrote history. God intervened in history. God came into history to save us. He predicted it from all time. He came into our world. He healed us. He performed miracles. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead. Anyway, I say all this as we're talking about this passage because they hated this passage. The deconstructionists hate it. And they would try to say, well, Matthew's gospel isn't really that important. It wasn't really written by the apostle Matthew. It came years later. And this passage is just no good because you don't find this, these exact words in Mark or Luke. You find the same passage, but nowhere near as much detail. See, Matthew, the apostle, Matthew, the true writer, because the church has officially ruled on this. Um, never mind all the ancient literature that talks about Matthew writing it. Matthew had an understanding from a Jewish point of view of what all these things meant and the import of what Jesus was saying. It wasn't just the point that, okay, Peter's in charge of the apostles, but no, Jesus is saying very significant things about Peter in this passage. So yes, the deconstructionists want to get rid of Matthew's gospel. That way they can get rid of this passage or vice versa. And then that way you don't need a church and you don't need what these words actually mean. And what do these words mean? First, you have Peter. Peter's always the one that speaks out. A few days ago, we heard Peter said, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. What do we get? In so many words, he's their spokesperson. Peter makes great professions of faith. In John 6, Peter is the one that says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. What a powerful statement. Peter messes up a lot, but man, when he gets it right, he gets it right. And in this passage, they're wishy-washy. Jesus, I mean, why would you follow him if he's not the Messiah? What, uh, you know, I guess maybe some of the apostles, they're just not sure. They think, well, he's a miracle worker. He's a great teacher. We want to be his students. But they followed him all that time and they still don't know who he is or they're just not strong enough to say it. And it's Peter who says, you are the, uh, you, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And remember, faith is where it begins. We want to go much further than faith, but still we need faith. Faith is a starting point for us. It's a gift, but it's also an action and a choice. It's a virtue. Virtue means us and God working together. And then we form that supernatural habit in a way. So Peter is the one that says, you are the Messiah. And so Jesus says, Peter, you are the rock. And that's so significant because the stuff that Jesus is now going to say about Peter is the stuff that's said about the Messiah in the Old Testament. So Jesus is giving Peter a share. We're going to see this more as Jesus establishes the priesthood on his apostles. He gives them a share in his ability to perform miracles. When he says, do this in remembrance of me at the last supper, when he says, who sins you forgive are forgiven. He's basically making them other Christs, which is what we believe in a general sense about the baptized, but in a very specific sense about the priesthood. 
And he's first giving that to Peter. You are the rock. Now, it says God is the rock in the Old Testament. It says the Messiah will be the rock. There's also another meaning to this, the dome of the rock. And I, I'm not an expert on this, but I have heard talks on this. Um, the temple apparently was built on a large boulder. And this is, there's a reference to that in this. And they believed underneath this boulder were what they called the gates of hell. In other words, it led to the underworld and the temple was purposely built on that spot where there was a large boulder placed uh, on top of a giant cavern to basically keep out hell, to keep out the demons. God protected them from evil. And so the temple was purposely built on that spot to protect the, the, the Israelites from evil and the evil one. And so P Jesus is making reference to that with regard to Peter. You are the rock on whom I build my church, not just a temple of the old covenant. There's a new covenant here and I'm founding a church. Now the word church, we're going to see it again in the Bible and it means all sorts of things. I mean, you know, we use it to describe buildings, but what it really means is the community, the organization, the, um, and I hate even using that word, anything that makes us think of, um, contemporary businesses I like to get away from because that's where people get lost in their understanding of the church. But the church is, it's a community of believers. It's the body of Christ. The church has defined itself in so many different ways over the centuries. Vatican II talked about the people of God, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's a threefold definition of the church. But anyway, Jesus founds this church. He doesn't say, I've come to save individuals. He says, I've come to found a church. He wants a family <coughs> to exist. So he makes Peter the head of the family on earth. What you hold bound will be held bound in heaven. What you loose will be loosed in heaven. So Peter is the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's an image of the temple, but Jesus is taking it to a new level. He's founding something new. There's so much more we can say, but I got to move on. And then he gives him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keeper of the keys was like what we would call the president or the CEO of a company, not the owner. Jesus is the owner. The keeper of the keys would wear a big belt and keep the keys on his belt. And that meant you got to listen to him. He's not the owner, but he's the boss. He's the foreman. He's the president. He's the CEO. Peter is the keeper of the keys of the church that Jesus is founding here on earth. His body, his family here on earth. Peter is in charge. And so it's a very significant thing that Jesus says here. And the church, see... You know, we go back and forth between what's more important, the Bible or the church. Well, the church came first. Jesus founded the church. Never does Jesus say, I'm giving you this Bible. It's true. The Bible is written, especially with regard to Paul's letters and the gospels. I mean, they already had the Old Testament and scripture is something very, very sacred, but it's the church that defines which books are accepted. It's the church that creates the canon of scripture. They pray about it for centuries. They agree on it. So that we do believe the scriptures are the word of God, but that all becomes ratified through the church. The church is what's founded and the church understands itself before scripture is written. So scripture reflects all these things, but the church, the way it understands itself 
and the proclamations it makes in its councils, they are first and foremost. There, that's, you know, doctrines and dogmas are defined at church councils. It's true that, you know, the scripture is important and the scripture is the word of God. Anyway, we can go back and forth about that. But the point I'm making about the reason I'm making this point about the church is that the church recognizes that it has a papacy. It has the basically where Peter died in Rome. The Bishop of Rome is now the successor of Peter and the successor of Peter is the leader of the church here on earth. So in the first century, while John the apostle is still alive, the church in Corinth defers to Clement, who is the third successor of St. Peter in Rome. And Clement is recognized to be the boss, even though there's still an apostle living, even though he had been in Rome and he had been tortured and now he was exiled to Patmos. We're talking about John. Clement is recognized as the head. So even when the Pope can be wrong at times, even if the Pope is a sinner, we're all sinners, it's still the office of papacy that we believe is protected. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That's called indefectibility. There's also an infallibility and an authority. We you hold bound on earth will be held bound in heaven. That's the authority. That's also the infallibility. And so we pray for our Holy Father. We can tell many, many stories, and I will as time goes by, about good popes and bad popes. But regardless, Jesus has given us this church. He told us he would never leave us. He would always give us what we need. And this is the way that he provides for us through his church, the teaching that we receive, the sacraments, the grace that's conveyed through the Holy Spirit given to the Catholic Church. We have Mary as our mother. We have Jesus as our Lord, and the Holy Spirit is the life within us. I'm going to have to end it there. I hope everybody has a great Sunday. God bless you.